0: Welcome to Hatfield Christian Church. My name is Litsulo and I'm a pastor here at Hatfield. This morning we will begin the service with worship and then have time dedicated to exploring how your pledge to faith promise has been able to bring about the change around the globe. Faith Promise has been supporting missionaries for the last 37 years. That is incredible. We have been privileged to plant churches and reach previously unreached people with the gospel and create real change in countless lives around the world. This morning, in real 2020 style, some of our missionaries are joining Pastor Louis and myself remotely. We want you to consider how much the Lord would like you to contribute to the faith promise this year. We have faith for 6 million rands. Be part of faith promise this year. Start by going to our website to find out more about how you can give to see change in 2020. But now, let's worship the Lord together.
1: Beauty of your mouth This love. There's nothing on earth as beautiful as you. And you've opened my eyes to your wonders anew. You capture my heart with this love. There's nothing on earth is as beautiful as you. Oh, And you open my eyes to your wonders anew. You capture my heart with this love on earth is as beautiful as you, and you open, and you open my eyes to wonders, anew. you capture my heart with this love, cause nothing on earth is as beautiful as you. Glory we say As I stand here in awe of your holiness, Lord, draw near to me, and cover me. Here in this sacred place, overshadowed by grace, I'll tread lightly on holy ground. the rushing wind and sweep me off my feet jesus feel your power. I wait for you. Oh, and only you. And now I call out your name, Jesus. Show me your face. I long for you. Oh, and only you. And I hear you calling me. And I see You, Jesus, oh Jesus. I left my. the god who was and is and is to come your great faithfulness and is to come your great faithfulness we can see lord we can see lord your great faithfulness take a look around, see all that you've done, we worship you, as we take a moment to ponder on the goodness of who you are, Lord, your faithfulness. creation bows down to you Lord giving you glory the Sun comes up giving you glory it's a new day it's a new day filled with your faithfulness The whole earth is filled with your glory, Lord. The whole earth, glory. The whole earth is filled with your glory, Lord. The whole earth. Glory, Lord. The whole...
2: Justice and as you envelop the world with your love and your arms, as you see indeed that every cup counts, as you see indeed that every life to you is precious and sacred, how can we not give you glory? And look into your
1: eyes and say, Majesty, you are majestical.
3: just take a time and a moment after we've had such an amazing time of worship and uh, before we get to the rest of our service won't we just pray together and just put our hearts before the Lord continuously I just want to pray for you and uh, just that you'll know the Lord loves you and that he's with you let's pray together father we thank you that you are so good to us and that in every moment in every opportunity everything we go through you are right there with us supporting us guiding us leading us being our saviour, being our provider, being our deliverer. And we find our hope and our rest in you in this time also in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Amen. Right now, it's an opportunity for us to continue to worship the Lord as we get ready to give our tithes and our offering. And as we've become accustomed, that right now on the screen will appear the details. You can pay into the bank account or make use of Snapscan and just give as you have felt in your heart to give and as you want to worship the Lord this morning. And just know that your giving is making a difference. Not only Futhway's promise is our giving making a difference, but your tithes and offering make a difference so that we can reach people all across the world through this medium right now. So thank you for your giving Won't you get ready to give.
4: What if we told you that you have a superpower, that we all do? A God-given gift so wonderful it could transform an entire nation, empower our future leaders, even feed hundreds, no thousands of hungry mouths with one action. A pledge partnership with God and us. It all starts with kindness, a promise, and a little bit of faith. This is more than a donation. It's a two-way promise. Your promise to God to be the conduit of change through your pledge and our promise to you of transparency, trust, and honesty. This is about realizing your ability to give, no matter the amount, and be part of a bigger movement of change for those who need it most. Because solving the problems across the globe begins with solving the problems across the street. If you can change a life, a single life, then that life can change a family. That family can change a community, and that community can change a nation. Perhaps, together, we can even change the world. But don't take our word for it. Take it from the young boy who now has a family for life. The broken-spirited teen who now has the courage to dream. Or one of our missionary families who spread God's word thanks to the 110 million rand raised over the past 37 years and growing. You are the hero. We're simply the facilitators, the custodians of your generosity, who make sure every last cent you donate ends up in one of our streams of change each geared to implement the good our world needs. All this starts here, today, with you. Be a part of something bigger. Give to see change. Join our journey from across the street to across the globe.
0: Faith Promise has been supporting missionaries for the last 37 years. We have been privileged to plant churches and reach previously unreached people with the gospel and create real change in countless lives around the world. This morning, in real 2020 style, some of our missionaries are joining Pastor Louis and myself remotely. Welcome everybody, but before we get into that, Pastor Louis, can you tell me, Why mission work is such an important part of the life of the church?
3: Well, I mean, that's actually quite easy to answer, isn't it? Because Jesus said, we've got to go into every nation and go and make disciples to spread the love of God, to spread the message of the Word of God. We've got to witness in every context. And to witness in a context means that somebody has to go and live in that context to be the witness. And that's what missions does. Missions makes it possible for the gospel of the Lord Jesus to be lived in a certain context. Um, in perhaps people groups where there aren't people that already know the Lord Jesus that can live the gospel, it's necessary for others to go. And um, again, like even we spoke about the partner ministries, it's so wonderful for us as a church to be connected to different parts of the world because of missionaries that we have living in those areas. We get to know firsthand about what's going on in those places and how to help and make a difference. And uh, so missions is part of the lifeblood of the church. Yes. Missions is the future of the church, because yes. if the church doesn't do missions, we'll, we'll stagnate and point? not go and grow and go anywhere.
0: Yes, that's, that's the big point. I would like for everyone who's joining us today online, uh, studying perhaps with uh, Stefan in Lesotho, can you all of you guys just introduce yourself and where you are based, and then I we'll take it from that. there. Yeah, this
3: is
5: on
0: Dr. Skilmani, our uh, leader, Stefan, uh, they are
5: together as a leader. Nee, they're together. Oh. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Tiense and Deirdre. Tiense, my wife, Deirdre, uh, and two boys, Johan, in a and Isaiah on, on my side. We're based here in Zimbabwe, in Tegutu.
0: Excellent. Thank you.
3: And Ursula and uh, the team from uh, Namibia.
6: Good morning.
7: We are in Namibia in, Opu in the northwest corner of Namibia. And there's Kalusha and his wife, Yange, and we are all working together and little Paula. And we make a great team here reaching out to the people around us.
8: Wonderful.
0: Excellent. Thank you.
8: Yes, uh, here we are. Uh, we are blessed to be living and serving here in the Middle East um, for a number of years and we are just so glad we can connect in this digital way with each one of you
3: back home in South Africa. Great stuff. And then uh, Blaine and Olivia, are they with us? Hello. Hi, there Hello. you guys. Hello.
9: Yeah, this is uh, Blaine, Olivia, and Henry, and
2: Luke, he's hiding from the camera. Uh, we live in France, and we've been ministering here for the
6: last three
3: years. Oh, wonderful. And Stig? Hi. Uh,
6: me and my
2: wife, Hani are in N'Djamena, in, in Chad. We have been here for a year. And uh, our, miss, um, our um, challenges here is... Uh, to be in a supporting role and to live out the gospel, as you say, and make a difference. Uh, I think we can call ourselves for tent maker missionaries after the model of Paul.
3: Okay, wonderful. And then Dave and Fran. We, we're from Russia at the
6: moment. We are near Moscow in Russia, and we've been serving in Russia, Armenia, and also sometimes in Asia. So at the moment, we are based here in, in Russia.
0: Excellent. Perhaps we can um, start with Stefan and Christian to tell us a little bit about uh, what are, what have they been doing in Lesotho and the work they've been involved with, just briefly.
9: Hello, Pastor Solo. I'm um, from Lesotho. Um, We we started actually as a um, ministry we involved in community development, but now it's a whole change. It's um, of. of Corona, but even before we went more into um, yeah, in, 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 in spiritual ministry, so like um, church planning, we started with this, but we now put a deep focus on discipleship training. That is uh, one of the things that came out of the change that came with Corona. So, um, um, yeah, discipleship training, we are busy now the, um, translating a discipleship program in the local language, um, physical. Um, or contact ministry as we call it is not very um, much possible at the moment, but um, we're preparing. We're preparing for the harvest. That is um, getting um, ready now, so that um, we we are able to to reach out to those um, yeah, who, who getting ready now
5: to receive the Lord.
0: Excellent. And for uh, Tinas and Dedra,
5: um, yeah. At the moment, we are just. Um... You know, with the lockdown and that, our projects also been um, shut down um, with our students. Uh, the, the health inspector um, has asked us not to carry on because our, the virus is actually spreading here now in Zimbabwe. And with the church as well, it's so also um, on lockdown. So, yeah, we've been involved with the feeding program um, in the community. And I just felt in our hearts that we um, wanted to help the people in the community to be able to get food to them. And then, yeah, we really got involved with that, yeah.
0: Sure. Um, you guys in Zimbabwe, you've been really quite um, overwhelmed with what's happening now in the, in the nation. How have you been able to just navigate through that and still continue to serve the community you are in now?
5: Yeah, I think for us um, at the moment uh, with, our, um, with the church, we're doing just messages on the, on the WhatsApp and just keeping communication with the, with the congregation, um, with the community, we just, I've been involved with the, the pastors' Fraternal, um, I've just been working with the, the, the two chairmans of the two fraternal's that we have, um, in um, in the community, and through, we just approached the community to help, to, to be able to feed, and um, the people, the community contributed, um, towards um, buying the mini meal for, for the people, And then we linked up with another missionary couple couple here as well from from overseas. And we're just in a joint venture um, at the moment. So basically, from May up until um, now in August, we've been able to feed um, 2,500 people um, every month with 10 kgs of viney meal. Sure. that's just a blessing from the Lord. You know, the Lord just told us to do it. And by faith, we just stepped out, and um, we're able to help the, the families because people can't work at the moment with the lockdown. And um, we're able to produce 10 kgs, a um, minimum per family. So we've done 2,500 family families in, in Chigutu for four months, and that's just uh, that's just God. <laughs> Nobody else can explain it, but God, you know. So the funds have just come in, and we've been able to bless them. And what's happened with the with the churches? Because we were distributing the minimal through the churches, so the pastors have got involved. Um, so I just worked with the two chairmans, and the pastors got the mini-meal out. And then um, what's happened in the community is that uh, the churches have been recognised, and all the glory's been, you know, given um, to God. There's unity amongst the churches, um, and the pastors are just coming back to us and saying uh, how the the, the the pastors have come to be with us able to ha- to to help with the feeding. Um, so we just seen that unity take place and we just give honor to God for that um, it's just, um, the churches are being recognized in the community at the moment
3: sure, sure. that's wonderful to hear and I'm, I'm sure it's all over African context that we have to really focus on things like feeding pr- programs and very practical help like that but I wonder what it's like in Europe a little bit Blaine and Olivia, you guys, in France that's a very, very different context so just tell us a little bit about what's going on in, in Grenoble, in France at the moment Am I pronouncing that correctly, or how do you pronounce that word correctly? That yes, well,
10: in, fr- from an English pronunciation, that <laughs> would
3: be correct. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh,
10: things are going very well here for us. Uh, Grenoble, France, it's a, it's really a student city. It's a, a tech and research hub in the country. Um, and so the, the context here is one in every five people that you would meet in Grenoble is a student. That's that's that in here. A lot of international students. People come from all over the world because university study in France, whether you're a foreigner or you're local, is free. And so we attract people from all over the world to be here. Grenoble is one of the largest university campuses in Europe. Um, And so we pastor an international church right next to the university campus. Um, Very, very fluid context. Most students come in for three to six months um, when they arrive here. But what's interesting about France, you wouldn't expect this when you think of Europe, but but France is really an unreached people group. Evangelicals make up less than 2% of the country. Grenoble, we often joke, say it's the Bible Belt because we're 0.9% Christian. So it means when you walk in the streets, one in five people you meet is a student, but less than one in 100 is a Christian. Um, And so we pastor in that context. There's a lot of suspicion towards religion. But really, as, as things have developed with COVID, we obviously also had to take ministry online and one of the positive things we saw from that is that uh, it allowed people opportunity to engage with the church in a way they hadn't before. So while many people had been trying to bring friends to church, convince them to, to get a part of a community, just to take foot in a church, many of them for the first times in their lives, um, doing things online allowed people to actually remain anonymous and check church out from a distance. So with all the devastation that COVID has caused, we saw something really positive come out on our side. And we saw our numbers as a church almost double um, just from people engaging online because it created that safe space to do that and so um that's been the context for the ministry this year
3: wow fantastic and uh in middle east what does that look like and how's COVID inf- impacted you guys andrew and elita and your ministry and, and mission work there well definitely impacts everywhere
8: um From the very beginning, it was lockdown. Now things are are opening up a little bit more and uh, we're able to to get into the communities. Um, We've been, uh, over the last 10 years, pioneering a project with special needs where we've been able to minister to around 3,000 families in about 60 towns and villages. And because of that, now there's still a lot of inroads. So Hatfield helped us recently with buying some COVID care packages that we were able to take into 12 different towns and just share about the love of God with many of the the leaders in these communities so you have to be flexible every week we meet together as a team and you you plan per day because you don't know if it's going to be another lockdown or whatever so you have to be flexible and just led by the Lord but really it's a time of opportunity I I believe for for our country but also for the region that's that's really great Um... Closer to home,
0: we have Eshela and Kalusha. They are based in Namibia, Opuo, and uh, Kalusha's wife, Ingwe. Just tell us a little bit about what you guys have been
7: involved in. Yes, Papa. Hello.
3: Hello, family. So hello, Kalusha. Hello, Kalusha.
7: <laughs> we love you
0: too, Kalusha. Uh, we. Hello, hello. Hi, Kalusha. <laughs> hello, Sorry. We love
7: you too. Thank you. <laughs> now we we are here in Opuo, the northwest Namibia, and we are more involved with the different meetings that I we, we are playing with the school we are in the game. Running kindergartens, also coming to 2020 have been a challenge. Since 2019, it was one year that the drought really kicked us that that much. And our people in the villages, they've been struggling a lot. And this year, we thank God, we received uh, nice rain and everything was nice and clean. But then the COVID-19 kicked in. So now people are locked down there. Coming to town is now something that is many people do not want to come to town because they are hearing that the coronavirus is more here in towns. But otherwise, we are doing very well. Yes. So, but the school is closed. We are running like homeschooling. And the guest house also, we are more kind of having tourists coming in now. The tourists, they are not coming in.
0: So it's been a, a big challenge, but we are, we are we
7: are here. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I just have a question for all of you. I wanted just to find out from any of you that can share a little bit about how Faith Promise has come alongside you in the last year. Let's say around 2019. Now in the new year 2020, how has Faith Promise been able to assist you in what you are currently doing?
5: Okay, uh, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we you know, we, with the feeding program, um, just the funds that we also just received, uh, towards the contribution of, of, feeding the people. Um, we just great to see that, come from, um, South Africa, you know, uh, from Hatfield as well, and so we're so appreciative about that, how uh, hatfield got involved, feeding the people here in to you know. Lord all glory for that.
0: Amen. Excellent. Anyone else would like to share? Maybe I
9: can share as well from our side. Um it's very similar where since uh, COVID nineteen started and a lot of Basutu people are locked in Lesotho. In um they they have no income, no food anymore. So um a lot of people are starving and with the help of um Hatfield and the Faith Promise we could also start um, a food distribution program where we buy today, we um, supply every month around about 60, 70 families, more than 300 individual people, and with more than 4.5 tons of food. And that is um, because of the funds from, from Hatfield, that's a big portion of it, and um, yeah, we're very, very grateful. And that opens amazing doors for us, where previously doors were closed, and people rejected to talk to us or were um,
3: not hostile, but but not open.
9: And now this this ministry we had never in mind before. I'm um, up the doors, and people are very open, and and they want to hear the gospel. And out of this food distribution program, now we were also able to to start small, new small groups where people start um, to do Bible study together. And um, yeah, thank you, Hatfield, for for the help and the contribution for the food distribution program.
3: That's so wonderful to hear these stories and. It's a privilege for us to be partnering with you guys and just to enable you and strengthen your hands and to see the breakthroughs that you're talking about. I think of Dave and Fran, we've walked a long journey together already. They work in, in Asia and Russia and there's been so many things that they've experienced, but this is a different world that we're living in now. Dave and Fran, we're great to hear from you a little bit about just how Faith Promise has helped you in this season just go through the challenges that you are facing. And tell us a little bit about what that is.
6: I think that we are very grateful for the way that you know, Faith Promise has helped us with our air tickets. We do a lot of we do a lot of flying to countries and to, to know every year that we can come back to South Africa. Um, and we just and also our medical aid and every now and again gift from Faith Promise. And I just want to say without Faith Promise, without the support of ATV, we could never do what that, what we've done here in Russia and Armenia and other countries. So we are so grateful for your support. And, and for that gift, it's, it's a considerable gift that we receive every year, to enable us to move around and fly to and fro from South Africa. So we're just
0: really thankful for that. That is that is very excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. Stick, you are a bit quiet there. How has it been going there in Chad? Uh, Chad was uh, already before the COVID
2: nineteen in a tough situation. Eighty uh, percent of the population live on the border of starvation. And now the market was closed, no jobs and no income. So there have been a very tough situation for the, for the people. We, we have shifted from more uh, indirectly evangelization approach to more a supporting role. And um, we are supporting uh, orphanage home. And um, there were 30, 40 children, and they had, had nothing to live of. Um, it's a very poor congregation we joined, and there was a lot of, um, lot of uh, people that had no food at, at home. We tried to help very concrete here. Uh, then there are 24 pastors spread over the country that now lives for, for under thousand rand per month to feed their family. So we see there's a big challenge. Um, In May, we were led to start a rice planting project. Uh, We want to harvest uh, around um, November, and we hope for more than three tons of rice to to help and distribute. And the funny thing, or the great thing, is that this was arranged in the right time from the Lord, um, when now the food producing area in South are standing under water. So that can lead to big losses of crop. So um, the Lord knew all this and uh, we are happy to be in, in a position to help.
0: Over to you, Abe and Joy. Please tell us a bit more about yourselves and what you are doing in the Southeast Asia.
6: Abe and Joy and Philman Josh. And we, in Southeast Asia, we've been here for six years now. Um, and COVID has hit our area quite hard as well. A lot of the people were also unemployed, couldn't carry on working. And that was actually, interestingly, the open door that we had into villages that previously weren't, weren't open at all. So we've been able to take 50 food, uh, 50 food parcels a week into villages. And I think as... Others have shared that really open doors. Um, I think what's been even more exciting is that we've asked if you can pray for the sick. And I just want to share two testimonies um, that were really amazing. Uh, one day that we were there, one of the ladies called us to come pray for her shoulder and miraculously her shoulder was healed. But what was even more miraculous is that um, about two three weeks after that she said she loves to join us and pray for the other people because she wants to see them healed as well so we we she's joining us praying for the people we started a group in her house um, sharing sharing more about the good news um the second in the second village there was another story that was just as amazing there was a guy with major stomach problems and he had not been working i think for two years now um and yeah, shared with us that he was scared of dying while his children were so small and um, and we prayed for him and it was just amazing, just after we prayed for him, he said but he was all hot um, and he showed us, he picked up his shirt, showed us the sweat on his chest, said, but, um, he said that he hasn't sweated for two years and it's been a miracle, um, it was a miracle that, that he was um, sweating. And then um, we came back the next week and the whole village is surprised that this guy just turned around like that and he's uh, looking for work and he's got hope again. And it's really exciting that food packages can open a door to go into villages and keep God in power.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
6: We really appreciate you helping us being able to take food, uh, food packages into the villages.
0: Thank you, thank you for sharing that with us, Abby. Um, Pastor Louis, we can hear that there's so much that's going on around our missionaries and the work that they are doing. What is your thoughts around that? What do you see um, has been a bigger deal around missionaries being part of our church?
3: Well, I think you can hear the similarities even between our context. Last week we spoke to the partner ministries and um, this has been a fantastic time For the church of the Lord Jesus, for ministries and missions to really be practical and help people. Uh, I think we've all become a a bit more aware of the needs of people during this time. Emotional, spiritual, um, soul needs, every need that people have. Uh, And we're living in a time where those needs are so in our face. And it's been so wonderful to hear the stories of the missionaries, how they've had to adapt and change, but actually become more practical through feeding schemes and other ways that they are speaking right there to the needs of people. And um, that's so powerful. And it's our privilege, again, to partner with them, to help them to be able to make these changes and adaptations. I mean, again, these people are people that that are doing this because they know God's called them mm. and, and they they whether we are there or not, they're going to do this but we can so add so much and yes. help them go through these challenging times a little bit better and to be more relevant and proactive in it and I think yeah. that's an amazing privilege for us.
0: What I like when I was listening was it sounds like each one of them is doing something practical. Yeah. They are not just missionaries who are only lifting up the Bible and people to know the gospel of Jesus but they are putting their hands to work and to be involved in the communities. So it sounded like they are more of community leaders where they are, more than just about yeah. the missions and the missionary work they need to do in the area. So I, I really like that part about
3: it. Yeah, I think it's the it's like it was mentioned, you know, the, giving a food parcel opens the door to somebody yeah. that may not have been positive to opening for the message, but that opens their heart. Yeah. And that that's fantastic.
0: Pastor Louis, thank you for sharing that with us. For those who are watching this and know the Lord has put an amount on their hearts to pledge, how do you fill out the pledge card this year? Pastor Louis, can you tell us how to do that?
3: Yeah, it's a very simple process. First thing you do is go to Hatfield.co.za Click on the pop-up and this will take you directly to the Faith Promise page. Scroll down until you get to the pledge form, fill in your name, surname and contact details. Indicate whether you want to pledge monthly or once-off and how you want to pledge. Now, you fill in that amount you felt the Lord asked you to trust Him for, and then simply click Submit. If you can't do it that way, you can also send an SMS to the number on your screen right now. Just put your name on the SMS and the amount you want to give. Indicate whether that's a once off amount or a monthly amount. Submit that SMS. And our team will phone you and get the rest of your details. And thirdly, for those who still prefer a physical pledge card in their hands, we also have hard copy pledge cards at our church reception. So if you're in the area of our church property, feel free to stop by and complete your form on site with the full knowledge that all COVID protocols are in place. So three very easy ways to pledge. Every bit that we give makes a difference. Here, in our own context, but across the world, in Chad, in Lesotho, in France, in Russia, in Zimbabwe, which is all all of our hearts, the Middle East, we've seen the things that have happened there. You can right now be connected into those needs of people and make a difference. So please pledge as you felt the Lord lead you to do.
0: Thank you, Pastor Louis. Now it's time to listen to the word you prepared a little earlier for us. Enjoy.
3: Well, it's my privilege to share the message with you today, but before I get there, I just want to take a moment. I think it's appropriate for me to just say, happy birthday to Natasha. It was her birthday on Friday and she turned 50 this year. And uh, I think all of us know her and love her for the amazing amount of energy she has, but also for the compassion she has in how she leads people. And uh, just, I am obviously privileged to, sh- to call her my everything, my life, my joy, my happiness. It's such a great joy for us to have been together for these 28 years that we've been married, almost uh, uh, wedding celebrations coming up soon also. But just want to say to Natasha, we all love you so much and we appreciate you very much. Thank you for what you do in our community and what you mean to us, the, the servant that you are and the great leader that you are. We love you so much. So yeah, just if you wanna send us a message, you can do that on Facebook, send her a Facebook message and just appreciate it also that that'll be great. It's my privilege to share the word with you in our Faith Promise season today, and I want to focus on Every Cup Counts. It's our theme for this season, and I want to talk a little bit about that some more. And, uh, but the title of my message, actually sort of the subtitle, is The Problem with Not Experiencing Pain, or The Problem with Not Feeling Pain. And uh, I'm sure we're all very familiar with pain in our lives. We all know the effect of pain. If I had to, for instance, want to take for some or other reason, stick this thing into my hand, the, the thing that will stop me from doing it is the pain that I'm feeling right now. Even just this little bit of pressure that I'm putting, there's pain already that's becoming uncomfortable, and it's stopping me from, do, from doing this. But if I didn't feel pain, the, the thing that could happen is if I had no sensation in my hand, I could, with enough force, eventually stick this thing to go right through my hand. Okay, now, did you see me do that? I am no, as they say in Afrikaans, kulkunstenaar or trickster, so I'm sure you all know that I just did that. But if I had to stick it right through my hand, um, and if I didn't feel pain, first of all, it, I wouldn't have anything stopping me from doing that. And, but worse than that even is I wouldn't know the amount of damage and injury that I've just caused myself, and I would have no motivation to deal with that damage and that uh, pain that I've just caused myself. One of our sons, when he's about five or six years old, almost cut his thumb up, stuck it through a, a pane glass window. And uh, we went with him at the time when he did it exactly in the same room. Uh, but we, were, we recognized that there was a problem because of the scream that he gave. And, uh, and, and shock set in and he started talking like a machine gun. And we had to race him to the, to the doctors to, and he had to get operations and everything. To, to It was basically hanging by the bone, his thumb, and to reattach it. But there's no way we couldn't have given attention to that situation because his pain levels demanded a response from us. And um, if you don't feel pain, then there's not something that demands a response from you when you've injured yourself. That's the problem that people that suffer from leprosy have. Often the misconception is that leprosy causes people to lose fingers and toes and things. It's not the leprosy disease in itself. It's actually a result of a leprous person cannot loses the pain sensation in their hands or in their feet, for instance. And so what happens is when they injure themselves, they're not so aware of the injury. They don't have that that injury pain, or the throbbing pain from an infection that comes later, for instance. So they don't know the injury, and then they don't deal with it appropriately. They don't respond as they should, and therefore, often, they lose the limbs because of the infection that they gained because of the injury that they sustained. And, um, and that, obviously, is, is a problem. And uh, pain demands a response. If there's no pain, there's no response. If there's no response, there's no healing that can take place. I want to apply that principle to our spiritual lives also. A Christian, let me say it this way. A Christian is a person that lives a life that is highly responsive to God. That in everything responds to God. They have the right things in their lives, in their heart, that causes them to respond to the Lord and not to be numb to Him. Like people that cannot experience pain, for instance. They numb to it. Our problem in this world is that because of our sinfulness, our condition that we were born in sin, what sin does is it numbs you towards God. It causes you to not be able to respond to God. Sin is like leprosy in that sense. It I'm not please I'm just using an analogy, but what it does is it numbs our ability to respond to what's going on in our lives and what sin does is that it slowly numbs us. Our sin condition has done that. It numbs us towards God's great love and his great care for us. And so that when God comes and he and he wants to speak to us, he wants to make known his will to us, he wants to give us life We actually can't respond to it appropriately because we have become numb because of our sinfulness. And that's our sin condition. And even if you give into sin in your life, what sin does is it causes us to become more and more unresponsive towards God. And what you'll often see in people that are really progressing through the, the destructive patterns of sin, you know, when, when a habit turns into an addiction, is the more they, they they feel the pain, the more they're looking for something to numb that pain so that they don't feel the pain, so that they don't have to respond and really deal with what causes the pain. And that's the pattern of sin in our lives. And the scripture talks about that, you know, it, it, it talks about it in a um, For instance, in Ezekiel 36 verse 26, it says the following, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Sin causes this condition of hardness of heart in us, that our hearts have become... Callous towards the Lord and and to what is right and and right living. We've become callous towards it, we don't respond anymore. But what the Lord wants to do is to come and replace that with a heart that is tender towards him, a responsive heart. And that's the work that the Lord Jesus done on the cross. That he has come to, to give us a new life, a new heart that is responsive to the Lord. Not to train our old heart. To, to how to respond, because our old heart will never respond to God. It's a stony, hard heart, but a new heart is what we need so that a new heart can become tender and be responsive towards the Lord. Um, David is an example for us in Scripture of a person that lived his life with a tender heart towards God. The Scripture says David, God loves David because he had a, a heart after God. In a, We see this heart at work in Psalm 139, verse 24. David writes, he says, Point out everything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's isn't that amazing? The heart that David had that said, Lord, I want to respond to you. I want to be highly responsive to you. I want my heart to be tender towards you. Isn't that how it is when we love somebody? When we love somebody, whether it's in a marriage relationship or in a family or anybody that you really love in your life, your heart is responsive to them. You, you're consistently aware of their of what they want in life and their needs, and you try and respond to it Uh, you know you you look for ways to to show them you love them and 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 somebody said care is the ability to anticipate somebody's need when you care for somebody you anticipate what they will need and then you help them and provide that which they need and that's a responsive heart Uh, uh, it's a heart that says what do you what do you want and can I do that for you and that's our hearts towards God is we want those tender hearts those responsive hearts that, that all the time says, Lord, how who, how do I do that which is pleasing to you? And I have a tender heart towards God. And I trust that that's what you're experiencing. That your heart is tender towards God. That your heart is highly responsive towards him. And, and that everything in your life is about, Lord, if, if if I know that's what pleases you, I want to do that. So that it's not a law. So that it's not... Oh, I have to do that, otherwise God's not going to be happy with me. That's a completely different way of life, you see. But that's often what happens with us. If, if uh, Often sometimes you see it in Christians, for instance. Young Christians get born again. They get saved. They give their hearts to Jesus. It's like, oh, wow, I love Jesus. And nothing's too difficult for them to do and for Jesus. And they love the Lord Jesus. And they're very responsive in their hearts towards Jesus. But through a little bit of time, they, you know, and now they start understanding their faith a bit better and Christianity, and and they they learn what the expectations are. It's easy to then move into a space where your heart just becomes a what I want to call today a cool heart. And by cool, I don't mean it's you know it's a hip and happening or nice heart. I mean a cool. It's it's cooling down. It's becoming lukewarm. It's a heart that starts saying, well, instead of doing what God wants me to do because I love Him, I know it's the right thing to do, and I know He expects me to do it. So so I'm I'm just going to sort of tick the boxes. I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to do the right things because I don't want God to be angry with me or disappointed with me. And and we just, we start going through the motions and our heart cools down towards God. It's the same again. And if you see that happening in a marriage, for instance, where two people love each other, they're so in love when they get married and they can't, you know, they want to do everything for each other and spend time together and they're inseparable. But, you know, after a while, the sort of the, the, the routine sets in and they, they, they now get to know one another and they're not so surprised by each other. They, they, they perhaps start finding little things in each other that they don't like so much. And, and then it sets into a time where you start going through a little bit of the motions. Your heart cools down. Now, in our Christianity, that's a dangerous time because that's a time where people can move into a little bit of legalism almost, where they start externalizing. Instead of being motivated by this responsiveness to God because I love God, I'm starting to just do the external things. My heart's no longer really in it, but I I don't want to not do what is right. So I I externally do. I still go to church. I I still, you know, attend community group every now and then. I I speak the right language. I I behave in an appropriate way. uh, But my heart's not really in it anymore. That's a really dangerous place to be. Because that's the journey from from having a heart that is really on fire for God and loves God and is highly responsive towards him. To starting to develop a heart that's just not that responsive. That it's like you've got one foot out the door already. And and again, the scripture describes that for us. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 to 6, uh, Paul writes and he says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart. A clear conscience and genuine faith. Uh, and that's the purpose. And that's the life every believer wants to live. Let me read it again. that That is a life filled with love. Love for God. That comes from a pure heart. A, a tender heart. A heart that is submitted to God. A clear conscience and a genuine faith. You see, a life of a Christian is a life that is highly responsive to the love of God. The grace of God. And that therefore acts in faith to to participate in that relationship. But in verse 6, Paul writes, and he says, but some people have missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. Partly what he's talking about here, meaningless discussions, is when people start arguing about, can a Christian do this or can't a Christian do this? And and people start wanting to to know where the line must be drawn. and um, Can I still be a Christian? And can I still be in a relationship with God and do this? He says, then you start missing the point because then you start making it about, you know, the rules and the external things. And, and you're sort of trying to say, you know, how can I look like I am love God, but I've, I'm actually giving myself space to do something else also. Then your whole heart's not in it anymore. Your heart is starting to cool down and be less responsive to God. And none of us, I think, want to do that, but we've all experienced that. When we go through challenging times or when we go through times where where we're very blessed even or there's many seasons and opportunities in our life where our hearts can just cool down towards Him, become a little less responsive, where it's it's not so much about loving Him and giving Him everything. We just, you know, we're ticking the boxes and going through the motions and a little bit of cynicism can get in there and, 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 and and we think we're maturing but we're actually losing our first love. And again, David's such a great example where he says, Lord... Uh, just take me back to my first love for you. I want to love you the way I loved from the beginning. And and, and Jesus even says, you know, he says, our hearts must be like little children. We just love God. We love him. And that that highly responsive heart is what causes us to grow as believers. Uh, 1 John 4 verse 9 says it the following way. He says, we love because he first loved us. You see, when Jesus then and, and the father recognized that, and, and he knew it all along, obviously. But he, when he addressed our sin problem, we were in this hard heart, this stony heart, this rebellious heart towards him that was numb towards him. He said, I'm going to come and give you a new heart. But the way he came and, and brought us back to a, a life of responsiveness to him is by loving us first and loving us and and softening our hearts with his great love by by just Uh, or our responsiveness to Him so that He could give us a new heart that can love Him. And the scripture also says in Romans 2 verse 4, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you away from sin? Some of the other translations says it's His kindness that turns us to repentance. And that's the strategy of God, is when we have a hard heart, a heart that is unresponsive towards him he comes and he loves us and he reveals his kindness towards us so that our heart can be renewed and softened towards him so even if you're a believer that and particularly if you're a believer that have that have loved the lord but you're recognizing that your heart is just cooling down towards him it's you can do all the right things externally but if your heart's not in it it's not pleasing god god's after your heart it's your heart that matters first of all from the heart comes the right way of living but you can't do the right way of living if your heart's not in it that's you know then we start going into the place of hypocrisy and legalism and and, and and it leads to further death it leads to greater unresponsiveness people that go into legalism I've never seen it where a Christian loves the Lord and then they go into keeping rules and laws actually end up loving God more they always go and eventually become I don't even want to love God anymore. I've seen countless of people that once they start going into that, keeping the things externally, they actually become, their heart just gets harder and harder and they end up not loving the Lord for whatever reason it may be. So we want to live these responsive lives because God has loved us. He has come and he has lavished his love upon us. And I want to live a life, and the best kind of life I live is when my heart is responsive to him. That when, the, when he comes, that I And there and responding towards. I mean, that the Holy Spirit makes possible in my life. And that's what the Holy Spirit's work is. When I've given my life to Jesus and Jesus now enters into my life and becomes my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in me and the Holy Spirit in me trains me and disciples me and teaches me how to be responsive to God. So that like, to use our pain analogy again, I mean, this thing presses on me. It requires an immediate response if I want to get rid of this pain, I have to do something right now. And that's the amazing power that pain has in our lives. It doesn't ask when it's suitable. It doesn't say when it, when it suits you, you need to go to the doctor. If you've really got pain, if you've severely injured yourself, you have to do something about it right now. And that's the heart I want to have towards God. When I feel God impressing on me something, when I, when I sense his presence, I, I, it doesn't matter if it's appropriate, if it suits me. It does, it, I want to respond. I want to live my whole life in that level of responsiveness towards him. I want to have a responsive heart. And I'm sure you the same for you, that you want to have a responsive heart. In Peter, uh, he writes about this, the, the, the disciple of the Lord, Peter. He writes in 2 Peter 3 verse 9 and he says the following. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You see, this is the heart of God. And this is the, the, what shapes my responsiveness towards him also. It's not only do I respond to him, but I respond to what's important to him, what he values. And we live in a world where many people are not responding to the Lord. They, they've developed these hard hearts or they developed cold hearts or they, they, they're in their sinful condition and they're not responding to God. And that would lead to destruction. That would lead to, like we said, with, with people that are unresponsive to pain, to major loss. Uh, but these people don't know it. They don't know that they're in a condition that, that if they don't respond, that they're going to lose so much. And, uh, and, and like I said earlier, unfortunately, what the people in the world does is they just go for it even more. They, they try and cover that pain. And, and because they try and cover it with their habits and their addictions and things, they, they, they incur more damage and, then, uh, and they're not even aware of it. Sometimes even after they've lost like limbs emotionally and spiritually and, and in their lives and, and have suffered so much loss, they're still not aware. They're still not attending to the pain. And that's why the Father has commissioned us when the Lord Jesus said, go and make disciples. He said, we have to go and to help people recognize their condition and so that they can become responsive to him. We have to make people aware of that. And and that's a big part of our responsiveness is not only do I respond to the love of God, but I respond to his call to make his love known in the world around us. Uh, George Peters, uh, famous, uh, scholar, uh, uh, a famous scholar, missiologist, wrote a great book about uh, the theology of missions, and in it he says the following. He says, in the Old Testament, God's way of doing missions, of evangelism, of reaching people, he, he termed it, uh, it, was the, it was the taste and see model where what happened was in the Old Testament, the Israelites lived. And when they were close to God, they had all the blessings of God. And we read in the Old Testament, the Queen of Sheba and other situations where people would then come to them and say, why are you doing so well? Why are you so blessed? And then the Israelites would say, it's because of our God that we are living life so great. And it, and they therefore calls it the taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the community of the Old Testament. The 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 the, 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 the Jewish people lived that way. They, they didn't really go out to tell people about their God, but they allowed people to be proselytized and come into their faith because they saw the goodness of God. In the New Testament, we see that continuing, but we also see a new approach that Jesus adds to it. And and George Peters calls it the, the go and tell approach. So not only is it taste and see that the Lord is good, but when the Lord Jesus gave us the great commission, we said, go and tell or go and teach them my ways, how to live, and and that became part of our strategy. So now that we are New Testament Christians and believers, and we want to respond to the Lord, our responsiveness requires both, a, let's live our lives, live our community together, and we often talk about it, about being a community of the faithful together, that displays the goodness of God. Jesus said, they will know you by your love for one another, that in our community, the people around us must see there's something, it's not perfect, but there's something good about Christians together and the goodness of God upon them. And that's the taste and see. But we not only do that, we also do what Jesus said, go and tell, go and teach. We go to people and we, we tell them about the Lord Jesus. And we have to be able to respond to the Lord in both ways. Often in our context, I see how Christians have the taste and see thing. And, and it sounds like this in our days where we say to people, where, where you ask a Christian, are you, are you just making disciples? or Are you evangelizing people? Then their response would be, well, I live my life as good as I can. If somebody wants to uh, sees the goodness of God in my life and they want to know more, they can ask me and I'll tell them. That's the, that's the taste and see way of doing it. And that's great. That, that it's not wrong. But in the New Testament, we've got to know we've got to add the other part also: the go and tell, go and tell, and that's very important. That we respond to the Lord when He said, "Go and teach them My ways." You know the difference what it makes when we go and teach. That is, that adds a dimension that 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 taste and see doesn't have. You see, when when. Like if my family, we live a, a great life and we love the Lord and we've got lots of our kids' friends and we've got our friends that come and spend time with us and come into our house, you know, when it is allowed and now that we're back into smaller social visits and it's great. And, and, and it's wonderful that people come and live and then they, and we've had some of our children's friends come and they spend time with our family and they, they would make remarks like, oh, it's so great to be in a place like this. There's such peace, there's such joy, it's wonderful. But then they go from there back to their own situation And they can come to us again and taste and see what we have. But they live their lives in that space. Their lives doesn't really change or their experience or their family won't really change until we go and tell and teach them how to live it in their own context. That's the difference. We are called in this world to not only live for Jesus and be an example, but to empower and enable others to become responsive to the Lord in their own context so that not only our homes have the goodness of God but it gets multiplied throughout our communities. that the people that get we we spend time with the people that we intentionally reach out to that we want to disciple we want to see reproduced in their lives the work of the kingdom and that requires a go and tell model that requires a go and teach model that requires Christians that are so responsive to the Lord that they say Lord I'm so grateful for what I have, but I have to go and share it. I have to go and give it. And that's the privilege we have. And that's the the part that the Lord by the Spirit is calling forth out of us. To go and tell, to reach the world around us, to reach my world around me by consistently being responsive to this that the Father asks of me. As I come to a close, I want to read for you that very famous portion of Scripture in Matthew 25. Uh, where Jesus speaks about the sheep and the goat. We often talk about the passage about the sheeps and the goats. And I want to read that to you and just make a comment. And, but just stay with me. I'm going to read for you the whole section from verse 31 to verse 45 of Matthew 25. Jesus told us, he says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheeps and the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then then the king will say to those on his right, come on, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. For I was, uh, sorry, I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. What we've got to understand the message Jesus is giving here is he's not giving us a law or a, a set of works, things that we have to do to live up to his principles. No, what he's actually saying is inversely that. He's saying, sheep are known for their responsiveness. What separates a sheep and a goat is a sheep is responsive to the shepherd's voice, a goat always has a butt. A goat always has a reason to say no, not now, never wants to respond. Always goes but, you know, and always is, you know, butting something and not being responsive. He's saying here, if you have tasted and seen the goodness of God, if you have experienced the kingdom, there will be in you this natural desire to want to share that with other people, to step beyond, to give, to make a difference in somebody else's life, to, to give that. It, it's, it will become part of your natural lifestyle. It would be to feed people. It would be to provide a cup to somebody of water. It would be to visit the lonely. It would be to visit those in prison. It, it would be just part of your lifestyle, Because you are being responsive. If my heart is tender towards God, if my heart is responsive to Him, you will see it displayed in these things that will naturally happen out of my life. So it's not, okay, if I want to love Jesus, then I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. No, because I love Jesus, this will be what you'll see in my life. And therefore we can say every cup counts. Jesus says it here. Every cup that was given in His name. Now, if I give somebody a cup of water doesn't change their life in and of itself. But if I give a cup in the name of Jesus, that's a whole different ballgame. Because in the name of Jesus, I don't have to say to a person, here's a cup of water in the name of Jesus. No. In the name of Jesus means I'm giving a person this cup of water because I am responding from the goodness of God that I have received. And it has stirred in me this responsiveness towards God and this desire to do the at least the little bit that I can. Even if, and if what I can only do in this situation is give a cup of water, then I'm going to give that cup of water. Because I want to do something. That's a response of life. But there's also the other side of it. Jesus says in verse 41. Then the king will return to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you've refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. He's saying uh, uh, the goats are the unresponsive ones. The ones whose heart has become so hard and calloused that they always find an excuse why they don't have to do something for somebody else. Why they don't have to be responsive. And and, and here Jesus is just using an example. The goats are the ones that that have laws and rules in their lives that, that are why I shouldn't do this or why I shouldn't do that. There's not a heart response anymore. I don't want to live a life like that. And what makes it possible for, for me to be responsive is because God loved me first. And I am in the very privileged position of having received the revelation of the grace and of the love of my Father for me. And that's changed my life. And that's the testimony of so many of us on this, in this service together today. Hasn't our lives been changed by the love of God? He awakened within us. We are born again. The old has gone, the new has come. I have a new life within me. A heart that is responsive towards God and is growing in its responsiveness towards Him and to what is important to Him. And therefore, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, I not only love Him more, but I love my brothers and sisters more in my community of the saints. And I love those that don't know His love. I love them all the more also. So my challenge to you today is simply this. How responsive are you? Have you, become, have you gotten to a place where you feel the sensation, but you just try and ignore it? Or you've become totally unresponsive? Or do you live a life where there's a higher level of responsiveness to God and to what's important to Him? And this faith promise season It's not about the money that we give. The money matters. It really matters. I don't want to underplay that because every rand, every cent we give enables us to really make the difference, to feed the hungry, to give the cups of water, to give the clothes. We've done everything described in your imprisonment, everything we are able to do because of the money. But the money follows the heart, a heart that is responsive to the Lord. So, won't you, first of all today, say, Lord, Here's my heart. I want to make sure my heart is so responsive towards you. If you recognize that your heart has become cool towards the Lord. And say, Lord, renew, like David prayed, create in me a new heart. Lord, just change my heart. Just put your heart before God and and say, Lord, soften my heart. And, And I'd encourage you every day this week, every day this month, keep praying that prayer. And you'll see your heart becoming softened again. If you've got a hard heart because you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never done that and surrendered your heart to him yet, we've got a team standing by at the end of the service. You'll see where you can either send an email or log on right now, and there'll be people that will respond to you and pray with you and help you to give your heart to Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that right now today. But let's live lives that are highly responsive to God's love and to his purposes and plans in this world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. That you loved us and you continue to love us. That it's your kindness that changes our lives. That we don't respond to you because of fear, because of duty, because of religion. But we respond to you because of your love and your grace. And I pray forth out of every person that's listening to this message, viewing it today. I call forth a responsive spirit, Lord. A soft heart, a tender heart in Jesus' name. Lord, if there's anybody that that recognizes by your spirit today that their heart has cooled towards you, I pray for a a flame to be fanned within them, that that flame will not die out, but that they would come back into, and that your spirit will help them to come back into that life-giving energy of your spirit that will just fan that flame to love you and respond to you more, Lord also pray if there's anybody Lord that that has not given their hearts to you Lord Jesus that is still caught in that that pattern of of a hard heart a rebellious heart that today they will surrender that heart to you and that you can give them a new heart I thank you for your spirit that will do that today in Jesus name and I thank you also Lord for us That has this opportunity for faith promise to respond, to be challenged and to respond. Not purely, purely by giving money, that's one way we respond. But by giving our lives, to be whole life disciples, Lord. That in every place, in every opportunity, we respond to you and what your spirit asks of us. And we thank you for that. We love you, Lord. We're so honored to be in your family, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say thank you for joining me today. And, and, and in a sense, I know this. I'm so amazed by both our churches, the responsiveness of people in this time. May you be encouraged and strengthened in that response. So right now, as we end the service, there's a discussion points that will come up. Please make use of that. There's also further information about Faith Promise that will be given to you. You can follow and just make sure you view that and any other announcements. And please make sure you also look at our uh, social media platforms to just be up to date and be included in every opportunity and everything we do. We love you lots. Have a fantastic Sunday. Bye. Thank you, Pastor Louis. The Faith Promise
0: Fund has allowed us to direct change across the street and across the globe. So take some time and ask the Lord how much you should pledge this year. Then go to headfield.co.za and give to see change.